It's against the grills, you bastard. Cover my tracks like butter, so where the bread be? I see beef is dead meat. Who that yes. president? Yeah, me. No one scared me. Um, all right. This is Nerzy, uh, the number one podcast in Slovenia. Today, we are joined by Jaron Weitzman, a NBA writer for Fox Sports. His writing has appeared in The New Yorker and The Ringer and The Outline, where I edited you trying to, like, stop dog poop from being on your street. By the way, The Atlantic recently, I, someone sent this to me, The Atlantic recently ran a story about dog poop. And send it, and someone sent it to me, and I'm like, you see, this is what happens if the outline still existed, they would not be able to plagiarize <laughs> in this manner. But that, yeah, that is true, that's correct. There was dog shit all over the street. Um, so I am Drew, the editor who has commissioned multiple pieces about <laughs> shit, and I am joined by I'm Slava P, I'm a big fan of poo poo and shit. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, I'm Trey, yeah, there we go. Well, old machine boys, we took a week off, just like uh, like we just talked yesterday. I love it. All right, so your uh, own is not here to just talk about poop, but instead, uh, James Harden, he's 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 really going for it, um, and so we decided to have you on uh, mainly like because this is the part of the NBA season where nothing is happening because it's not the season and all of the trades have happened. Um, but yeah, how how busy has your day been? Because you have interviewed James Harden in the past before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was joking yesterday. I had like a, I had some stuff on the calendar that I was going to be taking a, uh, you know, maybe a nice lazy uh, summer Monday. And when I woke up and saw that, um, I was like, this might be literally the one story where, like, I can't ignore it. Like, if you out of in terms of bingo and, like, the different lanes I've covered in terms of Sixers and James Harden. Um, but I don't want to complain because, like, I have, I call, I have Sixers brain. So I have all these thoughts. I'm always happy. Like, when it's an excuse to use my knowledge or just, you know, it's all nonsense. This stuff's all, like, silly and ridiculous, right? But I just have – my brain is filled with so much silly and ridiculous uh, – Insight, insight into the silliness and ridiculousness, right? That I'm always kind of excited when I have an opportunity to sort of uh, let it out. So it was busy. It was, but it was fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy being able to talk about the uh, the gift that keeps on giving in terms of uh, Sixers <laughs> drama. Okay, real quick, because I've only seen the clip of him like saying all that shit about like Daryl Morey. <laughs> like, what, did someone ask him a question about that, or did he just volunteer this information? I, it's a yeah. great question. I haven't seen that answer. I don't know. I was wondering the same okay. thing, right? Like, I, it's a great question. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an event in China. I mean, the ironic part is it just feels like that's where he should be going to play, right? Just go play. Like, you see, the the funniest part about yesterday was that clip comes out, whatever, 7 a.m. It's like James Harden. Like, Are you happy to be in China? It's like, Daryl Moore's a little bitch. Let me tell right, you exactly. I would love to know, one, like, is he making the China-Daryl Moore connection like that, that he knows his audience is going to love that? I I don't know if he – I don't know. I don't want to I, – I, that'd be funny. It's it's funny kind of either way, right? It's funny if he is, and it's funny if he's not, and it just happens to be. Um, and then the funniest part also was, like, I don't know if you guys saw, but – the rest of the day, like Harden's social team put out like had a great trip in China and like videos of him like biking around random gyms and like just doing on a motorcycle and just random 
junket stuff as if, not, as if like he didn't drop this huge bomb <laughs> that's really like i don't want to say it's unpressed it is kind of unprecedented like we haven't had many uh examples we've got guys trying to get traded but like a player like that saying his gm is a liar not through sources and not through anonymous quotes or anything but just coming out and saying it that's pretty uh that's up there in terms of NBA stories, right? So, James, did you prefer Barbie or Oppenheimer? And it's like, man, the Houston right. Rockets, let me tell you about those motherfuckers, man. Like, yeah, it's like, exactly. What? <laughs> exactly. No, I would, I would love to. I, yeah, I haven't seen a full video of like, I'm going to say, was it a press conference of like, I assume it was a Q&A? Yeah, I, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to it that. It seemed like question. he was like talking to a room full of like teenagers. Yeah. And I'm assuming they do those things. And I'm assuming this question answers right and so somebody i don't think any kid would ask him about that. i'm su- i'm assuming somebody at some point said he's gonna play for the sixers maybe that's what happened and- apparently he tried to someone tried to get him to sign a sixers jersey and he was like no i'm not gonna do that how long have him and daryl morey been in business together now it's a great question off the top of my head i don't it's a what was the trade I'd say about 10 years in houston give or take right I'm, i could be a little off about 10 years in houston and two or three in philly and then you can count the Two in between where he was in Brooklyn, but Daryl was trying to get him and probably, uh, you know, having backroom conversations with it, you know. So, like, I don't know, they've probably been a part of each other's lives for about close to 15 years, keep or take. Yeah, see, bro, this oh, is just a lover spat. Oh, They'll get bro. back together. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Calling a. Uh, uh, he went pretty. I, I mean, he's a liar and I'll never play for him again. I'll say the thing that I find interesting. Like, I don't think Daryl Morey's one of these. I don't think he approaches the job as somebody being like, he said that about me. Fuck him. I'm trading him somewhere. Like, I don't think that's how he's going to go about it. Um, like, he's not anti-trading him, but he's not going to trade him for junk, right? And I think that's kind of the issue here. Oh, he's going to trade him. He's going to trade him for one of the best players in the NBA. His name is Pascal Siakam. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I need the Tyler Hero trade to happen. I just like for my own entertainment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess for like context for people who are like, listening to this because we're the former vice guys uh who have a podcast like what what is like daryl morey's deal um and also as an addendum to that is daryl morey a libertarian because he gives libertarian energy that's interesting okay i'll come back to that one um daryl morey was basically he's the billy bean of basketball basically right is the easiest way maybe that's a little too simplistic but if you're not really familiar with his story, that's the best way to think about it. And so much so that Michael Lewis wrote a big New York Times magazine story about Daryl Morey and then Shane Batty. But basically around Daryl Morey, I think it was like 2005, basically mm-hmm. like, you know, announcing that. I, I hereby anoint him as the Billy Bean of basketball. So Daryl Morey's like, as much as anything, he's an important, in quotes, you know, uh, person in NBA history in terms of the impact he's had. He's had a huge impact, like the way the game is thought about and talked about and played. He's had a huge role in that in terms of, you know, emphasis on three pointers and all these kinds of things. Um, and he's also, I don't know, like he's like kind of a celebrity GM, right? We don't really have as many of those anymore. It feels like, but that's sort of, you know, as, as much as any GM has the name recognition, I would say he's one of those guys. He also then partnered with James Harden. They see he was the guy who bet on James Harden. The two of them kind of climbed together. Right. So James mm-hmm. Harden was, in Oklahoma City, whatever, 15 years ago, whatever it is, with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, and they couldn't pay everyone. And so they traded James Harden for a not great package, and Daryl Morey decided that James Harden was undervalued and going to 
be his star, and the two of them basically changed the game a little bit together, and that's why they've been they've been attached really at the hip in terms of their respective uh, rises. Um, that's what Daryl Morey is. Then he ended up uh, probably mentioned about China. You know, he had people might remember him from tweeting "Free Hong Kong" and that becoming an entire uh, I don't know global disaster, right? I don't know what I don't know what the proper phrase is, right? And now he runs the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, which is and he traded for James Harden. Um, so I guess that would be kind of getting us up to speed. Um, I I just want to point out I sent this to Slava and Trey in our group chat, but. I just want to point out if you go to the politics section of James Harden's Wikipedia page, it reads, it's three sentences. It is on October 4th, 2019, Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey issued a tweet that supported the Hong Kong protests. Morey's tweet resulted in the Chinese Basketball Association's suspension of its relationship with the Houston Rockets. Harden later apologized to China saying, we apologize. We love China. (laughs) <laughs> we, I mean, we've seen that. We can confirm. We saw. We saw that these past yes. days. Your own. What uh, yeah. do you? What do you personally think about Daryl Morey? Because he might be like Billy Bean in some ways, but you know which way he's not like Billy Bean. He hasn't actually won anything, and not all of his experiments <laughs> really works. Remember, he had Clint Capello be the tallest player on his team for a little bit there. That didn't really take. So, what do you think about him as like a basketball mind? I, I think he's without a doubt very good at the job and the trailblazer, and you know, has changed a lot of things. But I do think, and I think in Houston he did a, he did a really good job. I mean, you don't even I think the stuff he did in Houston was uh, groundbreaking and really impressive, right? Even though they didn't win, but like that one year, I know it's it's a cliche. They they won sixty something games with James Harden at Chris Paul. They took the Warriors. Um, when they had Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, that like, ridiculous team, they took them to seven games and out was good ball. And they also missed like 23 threes that game? Yeah, that like they had, and again, in fact, he hasn't won at all. It's, you don't want to just hold up one, but like that team, you could go, but you could make a fun argument. Like that's actually one of the greatest teams ever, right? The fact that that team was able to win that many games and almost beat really this unbeatable super team, right? The, the Kevin Durant, Steph Curry Warriors went healthy. Like that's just, it's just, that's a cheat code. Um, <laughs> So that team was great. I think he's made some mistakes in terms of how he's allowed James Harden to sort of run things. So like the downfall sort of began when James Harden and Chris Paul had a falling out at the end of Houston and Daryl Morey and the Washington the Rockets traded for Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. And that was a disaster, right? Um, and that led to them doing the centerless stuff and trying to find ways for that to work. I really don't think Daryl Morey at that point, like I don't think Russell Westbrook was a player he really wanted. I think that was more than James Harden wanted it. And it's kind of interesting to see where we're at with that, you know, in terms of um, working with star players is hard. I think Daryl Morey figured that it was better having James Harden happy or that he had, or maybe who had more juice with ownership, right? Um, in terms of since he got to Philadelphia, I think he's been good. But to your point, I think like considering how famous he is and how respected he is and the name brand and some of the stuff he's done historically and how much of a trailblazer he was in terms of moves and not, not just on the court stuff too like also like funky off the court stuff like finding loopholes and the collective bargaining agreements that the league office would then get angry about because wait that's not allowed even though there's no rule about it like a lot of really interesting silly nerdy stuff that i don't even like fully get how to break down but they did some cool maneuvering um and that stuff's been non-existent since he got to philly and i don't know if it's mm-hmm. because everyone now thinks the same way as him and everyone now has Every front office basically has guys in there whose job it is to find those loopholes, right? And like the league office now has guys who are that smart and all. Like everyone thinks like him, and it's almost like he hasn't adjusted to the league catching up or to the league uh, 
joining him. Like it was almost that he was so successful in terms of changing the way teams played and front offices approach things that it, uh, it took away his advantage and he hasn't been able to adjust to that. However, he did not, uh, in all of this is his projections and models. He did not model for one thing. And that is James Harden in a fat suit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Oh, just is the fat suit real? Because you know, you sent me that. I don't know, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm I wish I could give a better answer. And I'd forgotten about that, and I'm kind of annoyed though when I did my like I, my sit down interview with him that I didn't have that to ask him because I I asked him pointed stuff like on purpose, and that was sort of my pitch to him when I spoke to him. Like I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you the real questions. Do you want to answer them or not? Right? Um, so I don't have a good answer. I know it'd be great. I wish I had an answer for that. What was he what was he like when you interviewed him? So it's really funny. So the way that came about, so I did a profile on him. So I I, I live in New York, but I do a lot of Sixers stuff. I wrote a book on the Sixers. And the Sixers were um in New York for I don't know, maybe a preseason game and I went to like a morning practice. And then this was the beginning of last year and Harden was putting in he was working out a lot. This is when he was like, you know, I'm working out, I'm showing everyone how hard I'm working. So he's there for an hour after, and I'm waiting, and he comes after, and he goes to sit down, and I just go up to him and be like, hey, James, and we don't know each other at all. I have no no relationship, nothing. I've never spoken before this. James, you know, I'd love to do a story, let you kind of talk about the next few, past few years, give you more space. I forget how I said it or whatever, but like really, honestly, like nothing special. Like any writer has made the same pitch I've made to dozens, if not hundreds of, you know, famous people in terms of a story. And he's like, yeah, cool, set it up. I'm like, okay, how? He goes, talk to my guy over here, points at Sixers PR. I'm like, really? I mean, that's like, that's okay. easier than I've had with like 12th, 12th men. I'm not even like, I was like, there's no way this is actually happening. So then I, I, I stay on them, I stay on them. And like, I know it's not that easy. So I actually, I, I go down to Philly two more times, basically make him say, I don't know, he doesn't blow me off, but it's just like he's in the back or whatever. But I, this, I need to get in front of him. I feel, I felt like if I got in front of him two to three more times, he wouldn't keep saying no. Like he would remember that he said yes. So I go there one time. He's like, "Yeah, let's do it." Uh, we're in Toronto next two days. Can you get out there? We'll do it. I'm like, "Okay, yeah, cool." He's like, "Okay, talk to my guy again, PR guy." So I go out there. So it was set up really strangely. Then after at some point, I don't know if it was before. I got I me. Mean, I get to the hotel. This is actually funny, also. So I get there. Let's say it's set for one o'clock in Toronto. Um, I get there and I'm in the conference room, me and the PR guy, and we're waiting and waiting. And he goes to check, and James is in the other room, just him and PJ Tucker, just shooting the shit uh, for about 90 minutes past our interview time. And he knew, right? He was aware, <laughs> like he knew what he was doing. Him and PJ Tucker are talking, and I'm just waiting and laughing at the PR guy. Who, I mean, him, it's like more whatever. I don't know if it's a power play, if it's just, I don't know what it was, but it was pretty interesting and then at one point i asked they're him, little like, boys man they're just grown-up little like, boys i i get it, right i want to be like yeah. you guys like you guys are with you talk about him and daryl like james Harden, and pj tucker again i wasn't offended i don't think i'm not a reporter who thinks these guys owe me anything right like it's fine but like they see each other all the time every day like that clearly was not <laughs> and i could hear them like i could hear them laughing it wasn't like it was a serious conversation i don't know what it was but they were just you know it was just nonsense what i go like why do you agree to that i forget how i phrased it and it was before or after and what do you say? He goes, you know, you seemed like a, you had a friendly face. And you seemed like a decent guy. So I figured I'd help. I'd say yes or something. It was something like really weird like that. It was just like, cool. So yeah, that was a little strange. That way the whole thing happened. Um, in person, he's kind of, 
yeah, like he, it was, he, at first he's texting, doing, oh, he's got the phones on, like, you know, I'm, I'm aware, right? But he's got the phones mm-hmm. going while we're talking at first. Mm-hmm. Eventually put it down. Um, but like, I, he kind of definitely trying to, there's definitely a, uh, I don't want to say a power play. That might come out, come off too uh, strong, right? But like, there's definitely some Don't worry, sort of, nobody uh, listens to this podcast, so. No, I know, but I'm just trying to be, give an honest answer. I, I'm not afraid, right? I'm just trying to give like an honest uh, <laughs> take of how, like, I, don't, I don't think we're going to speak, I don't think I'll speak to him probably again, so. Um, you, don't, you don't know if one yeah. of the people who listens to this is like fucking Kevin Durant, and then he texts James Harden. And he's like, "Yo, you got to hear this shit, man. They're talking wild shit about." You well, so <laughs> you're talking. I got a funny. I have a. Yeah. I, I I got a. Uh, I got. I once I was on the receiving end of a Kevin Durant Instagram. Uh, I think if I remember, he called me a fucking dweeb. I believe and stay <laughs> stay out of the something. I forget because I was like reaching out to people about something for him. Yeah. Um, so that was good. I, I printed that out. I have that hanging in my office, actually, that uh, Instagram message. But um, yeah, Harden, he, he's ex- honestly, he's really what you expect. I know it's like a, it's a cheap answer. He, it's it's what you expect. Like, he's not an asshole. I wouldn't say you walk away from there. I didn't walk away from there being like, oh, that guy is completely misunderstood. I don't think he's so misunderstood. I think it's pretty, like, I think that's him. I think the stuff is him. I don't think he misunderstood. I wrote about in the story, like, he has this thing where he says, I don't, Really pay attention to what people say, but and then quotes exactly what people say. Okay, so real quick, are you from New York? Yeah. Okay, so how did you end up on the Sixers beat? That's a great question. So my uh, one of my like I was covering around 2016, 2017. I was covering, um, you know, we all get you get the job you get. So I was covering the NBA for Bleach Report, and there was like a national job. Um, mm-hmm. Again, that makes it not. I don't say that like that. Not that I was an important national writer. Just my job was to write stories that resonated on a to a national audience. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks and Nets there were horrendous and boring, and just it was nothing here. And that was sort of the beginning of Simmons and Embiid. So I started like just going down to Philly a little bit, you know, once a month, once every two months, just because honestly, I placed a bet in my to myself. Being like, there's one of the stories that I can write that people care about too. It's like seems like this is. The beginning, though, was the end of the sort of the process years, but it was the beginning of the Simmons and Bead stuff, and just kind of felt like okay, there could be something here. Maybe being on the uh, ground floor could be helpful for a number of reasons. So I started going down a lot, making that uh, that turnpike drive. I've done that like way too many times, right? Just like it gives me literally now I get PTSD from it, just going on the turnpike and like the rest stops that I would stop at. Uh, um, and then one time I was going to play after one of the playoff runs. I just like I always wanted to write a book and just had a feeling that this like there was more there and. I reached out to somebody who knew a book agent. He got in touch with a book agent who happened to be a Philly fan, Sixers fan. He's like, yeah, definitely a, a story there and pitched it. And since then it sort of became like, it became a niche for me that there was an opening there. I guess I covered the team also in a way or was able to write stories that weren't really being done. Not saying I'm better than other people, but just different types of stuff. No, you, in, you like, should say it. <laughs> Actually, there's some really good there's some really good beat writers. It's also different, you know, when you drop in, like you can do different things, right? You ask different questions and different kinds of stuff. Um, and it just became a niche. And like I said, jokingly, like it became something. So I wrote the book and it came out. And honestly, since then, there's been more and more nonsense and more stuff for me to kind of dig into. And the book gave me some standing that people started telling me more Sixer stuff. And you know, Daryl Morey read the book before he got there. Um, oh wow! I mean, I, let, me, let me rephrase. He could have been kissing my ass, but he told me he read the book. Again, it could be – I don't know for a fact. But I, don't, I think – I assume – honestly, I, he probably did, right? Um, so it just became a thing for me to be able to do. And, like, it's, I don't know, an hour and a, hour 45 minutes from here. So it's not great, but it just was a niche I was able to fill. 
what's your uh, player comp? Like, who do you compare yourself to as a basketball player, as a writer? You know, I was gonna say, you mean on the you my on court game or as a as a writer? No, as a writer, yeah. Well, I want to hear That's both. Actually, one. yeah, I was about That's to say like, one. yeah, just like give us both. Well, so on court, how about like uh, I'm a decent shooter, but not without a ton of range and no athleticism. So I don't know who, what's that. I don't even know. Um, Taco Fall. <laughs> Taco sure, Taco Fall. I got. I think yet yeah, for my shooter, like I think I wouldn't be. It have to be like a. Talking about Daryl Morey right now, everyone shoots threes. Oh, like Marcus Camby. Oh yeah. Well, it has to, I have to be like, or like a. I don't know who was like a shooting guard who was like I don't know Fred Hoiberg. I'm making up a guy like who like wasn't a three point shooter, right? Those guys don't exist anymore. You like Rip Hamilton, baby. Around, yeah, but not without the skills. Like you know Rip Hamilton, like he used to run around. I was watching. I don't know why. I was like, maybe there was an old NBA TV game on, but like he's curling for like 18 footers. That doesn't happen yeah. anymore, right? Like yeah. it's just funny to see that. Um, who's my writer comp? I don't know. How about like. I don't. I wouldn't consider myself like a beautiful writer. I think I'm. I've worked, and I'm. I'm a better reporter than I'm a writer. I think. Uh, I don't know. So like a little bit overachiever. We could work together on this. Like a late bloomer, also. A little bit. So you're a grinder. Definitely like a gym rat. You know, like you're putting yeah, in hours yeah, on the court. You're not like. Yeah. Uh, you're not like a like a like a seven foot, Chet Holmgren kind of guy. You know, you got correct, it up the mud. Correct, yeah. Exactly. Just like exactly. I mean, knows, knows who the grindstone. Uh, you know, you might get to the playoffs, but you're going out first round. Right. You're really exactly. realistic about it, but yeah, you're Jeff exactly. Teague, buddy. You're Jeff Teague. <laughs> I listen, man. Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague's probably better at his job at my job than I am at his job. You know, in terms of the, what he's yeah. doing now. So I'll take Jeff Teague. <laughs> so I read your book probably like I think over. Yeah, it was over Christmas break and. I had just gotten COVID from going to a Sixers game. And so I was like, I was really into it. And um, I mean, it's a fantastic book. What's it called? It's called Tanking to the Top. And then the subtitle, I can't remember. That's your job. It's a long subtitle. subtitle. It's the, uh, actually, I remember the the inside story, the most audacious process in the history of professional sports. Actually, I'll give you a quick funny story. So the, the title we had to change really quickly and really last minute because it was supposed to be called the process, and then it was made clear that uh, a certain uh, seven footer who goes who has a nickname of the process would not take to that and would uh, there'd be litig- there might be litigation involved if we use that name. Are you insinuating that Joel Embiid has trademarked the phrase "the process"? That's public record, right? So I believe that. Okay. Is. Um, yeah, he's not insinuating. That's a thing. Yeah, yeah but so uh, <laughs> That's and cool. and then my. Uh, my my book agent, which it sounds more fancy than it is, but my book my book representation is uh, CAA, and it was also and Joel and B at the time was CAA. It basically, it was made clear the name had to be changed. So uh, we had to we had like literally three or four days to do this. So we uh, I think a friend of mine actually came up with the tank to the top, which was pretty good if I say so. But yeah, that was a last minute. So then I had the the subtitles long, but like we had to get the process like. The word the process had to be on the front page somehow, right? So we had to figure out a way okay. to do that in the subtitle. How does the James Harden going to China on a junket and calling <laughs> his boss a liar uh, sort of where does that stand in the pantheon of Sixers shit shows? It's a tough call. So I think number one's a, there's a clear winner, right? Which it's 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 I Marco think it's Fultz. almost being forgotten. It's not Markel Fultz. The clear winner is Brian Colangelo and the burner Twitter. In terms of just weirdness, for those who don't know, oh, uh, Brian Colangelo oh. was the. And again, it, it's gotten it's it's almost like it's a little forgotten, 
Um, like it should be more remembered. It's a it's a bashing story, right? It's insane. So for those who don't know, Brian Colangelo, who by the way, don't he'll sell back up. Sam Hinkie, architect of the process. People don't know. Basically, he did the whole thing. The, from if you've seen the movie Major League, you know you build a team to lose. He basically built a team to lose. The idea you get top draft picks, and then from there you'll be good. Uh, the NBA didn't like that. Other owners didn't like that. So they bring in Jerry Colangelo, who's sort of like you know one of these Godfather NBA figures, respected NBA figure. He'll fix things. They want to hire a new GM. Who does Jerry Colangelo decide? My son, Brian Colangelo, right? Who was like, he wasn't a nobody. He was a GM also, but he brings in his son. And I got to look at the timeline. But let's say two years later, some anonymous person tells the ringer, hey, check out these, uh, check out these random weird Twitter accounts. Uh, these seem to be burners and they seem to be connected to a Sixers executive, probably Brian Colangelo. And it turns out that, I guess I, we can't say, it really seemed like it was Brian Colangelo. I guess officially, I have to say, we're not sure. It, Brian Colangelo it, alleged, it. It, it looked alleged to be Brian. Yeah, what? and it, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, and a lot of like data, a lot of the info on it. Or, there was, and, there was evidence to suggest. Evidence. <laughs> yes, correct. And his wife, he threw his wife under the bus too. That's the other part, right? That, that he ended up saying it was his wife. It was his wife, and not he had nothing to do with it, right? And the tweets, and I don't know they operate, but the tweets were ripping Joel Embiid. Like giving away trade info, like insane <laughs> tweets. Um, and then what was it about it, the shirt I, collar? Oh yeah, yeah. Someone they were said, big. Someone tweeted something. Yeah. Someone no, they tweeted, were normal. Like, Brian Colangelo <laughs> had like like big shirt collars, and he wrote like replied, "He's a nor or no, excuse me, the burner account replied to normal collar find the new slant." I honestly highly recommend if you're not familiar with the story, like just Google the Brian Colangelo burner story. It just again, it's insane. Like Netflix does all these nonsense documentaries. Just put this one, like just do this, right? And slap it on. It just that's what they should do. Um, so that to me is a clear belt because um, it's just, <laughs> I, it's completely unprecedented. Not like kind like, and that is it's just unheard of. Actually, though, I yeah, will Mark, say, go I ahead. will say the professional golfer Patrick Reed has his own uh, burn burner practice. Uh, if you will, he's like very, uh, he has a bad reputation on tour as like a cheater. He'll do this thing where if he has a bad lie, he'll get out like a fucking fairway wood that's giant and put it behind the ball and like take the club back slowly to clearly be like crushing <laughs> the grass down. I kind of respect that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But he does, he'll just like, yeah, like openly cheat like that. And he won a tournament, I think, through one of these like maneuvers. Or maybe it was like he was like he somehow figured out a way that he could get like free relief when his ball was like plugged or some shit. And it was like basically he strong armed it through. And then a Twitter account that was clearly him uh, was like attacking people and defending him. Anyway, sorry. But what's funny about that, I'm going to say burner athletes have burners. It's different, though, for the ex the ball an executive to be using the burner to rip his own players and like criticize stuff. That to me, that takes it to the next level. Like, I think we there were Kevin Durant burners found, weren't there? Yeah, he called his teammate bums. Right, exactly. <laughs> you want him to win with those bums? <laughs> yeah, right. So that stuff, it's just the executive doing it is like different and, and ripping his own team. Yeah, it was just some of the tweets were crazy. So to me, that's the belt. So the options are what? It's Markel Fultz is definitely up there in terms. Of oh the well, there's so many, right? Like Nerlens Noel. Like how many top five draft picks did you guys have? We had a lot, and only Joel really worked out. Well, Ben Simmons worked out for a little bit. Yeah, for, for, for a quarter and a half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ben Simmons is his own uh, crazy story. Obviously, like I guess we're gonna, again, 
but can it be like so uh, quote unquote unprecedented or crazy if the team has had two number one picks, point guard two forgotten to shoot? Like if it's happened twice, does that then <laughs> take away its status as a uh, its ability to hold the belt, right? For the craziest thing, I don't know. The difference with this to me is that and I think Sixers fans probably feel this is that like there's a um, there's a fear here that this is going to lead to like the end, right? All the other stuff there was a way to like spin it forward. And that, like, okay, so Ben Simmons forgot to shoot, but we'll trade him for something. Or Markel Fultz is not working, but we still have Simmons and Embiid, right? Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Butt, like, to me, I don't see how this is going like, to – I wrote a piece basically saying like, this feels like a sinking ship that's going to – and they're all going down with it, right? Um, and to me, this Harden-Mori thing feels like it could really be the beginning of the end of the uh, – not the process or whatever, the Embiid era, just like the the all the hope from the start of the process and from when Joel Embiid was uh, – when it became clear Joel Embiid was that guy, right? And to me, that I feel like there's like a different um, vibe around this for that reason. Was it Harden's decision to come to Philadelphia or did Maury recruit him from Brooklyn? He asked for a trade. He started, uh, he pulled his move. There's some hilarious Twitter clips out there now, like resurfacing of like what it looked like when he was on the court and not wanting to be there, right? Just He, he is, he's a lead in that. Nobody, nobody <laughs> is better at uh at like no showing while playing than him. Um, <laughs> so he's chosen to work for Marley twice. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So what changed? Uh, he's upset that they didn't give him the contract he wanted. This current arc starts last last year. Harden, um, I forget now the, the what is it? Uh, he opted out. I forget he had a player option. He declined whatever. But basically, he took a pay cut. He took a fifteen million dollar fifteen million dollar pay cut, and. Uh, and then, you know, it's kind of assumed that, oh, him, him and Maury have a wink-wink and, like, he'll get more money on the back end. Um, the NBA did investigate that. They didn't find anything. Um, doesn't mean it. I mean, uh, if they did agree to that, like, it wouldn't be in paper. It would be, like, you know, Harden's friend talking to Maury's. Someone puts a phone between that. You know, like, it, it <laughs> got smarter than this, right? Like, that's not how it's done. Someone gives a phone to somebody else. I'm sure what probably happened is, like, Morris said, oh, yeah, well, like, we want you to be here. We want it to work. And, you know, I, I, it probably wasn't concrete. Like, I don't think Daryl Morey would say, yes, if you take this pay cut, I will give you a max deal next year, right? So Harden clearly feels burned by that. And then this year, basically, he wanted a max deal. And the Sixers didn't want to give him a max deal. He was a free agent. We had the ability to opt out of his contract. You can argue whether, you know, this, where it all gets interesting is, like, would they have been better off? If you know that James Harden is so irrational and this is how he's going to act, and if you're worried about, like, how happy Joel Embiid is and stuff like that, are you better off just giving the contract and kicking the can down the road and just trying to maintain status quo. I don't know. Have you had James Harden's wine? Because that is the true max contract. (laughs) I was about to ask about like, because I work in a wine store right now, like part time. Have you had the wine and how would you describe it? I have not had the wine. I have had the wine. And how is it? Tastes like butter, which is an interesting flavor. Yeah, what do we? It is a Chardonnay, yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Like pretty oaky too, or? Yeah, yeah. It makes you feel like an idiot if you buy a bottle to drink it during a Sixers playoff game. However, (laughs) around the third quarter, I say you're a fucking idiot buying a bottle of Chardonnay anyway. So yeah. (laughs) Well, it's not just a bottle of Chardonnay. It's James Harden reserves. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the dumbest bottle of a dumb wine you could drink. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm not a shorty guy if you can tell, but yeah. So Trey, what if like an NBA player wants to really impress the real wine heads? Ooh, good uh, 
what kind of wine should they be putting out? Like, what's the next orange wine? I mean, it's not really like a next orange wine. Orange wines just became a thing in America, like years, a few years ago or whatever. But um, yeah, because I mean, they orange wine is like a several thousand year recipe, you know? Fair. Yeah, it, it just got hot over here, like pretty. <laughs> yeah, Drew, idiot. Yeah, I've been. Yeah, I've yeah, been you, 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 you're fucking Philistine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just Chardonnay yeah. drinker. Six to the fucking Sutter home, you fucking sick. <laughs> Trey, no, have you had ice wine? No, I haven't. Did you just I, make that up? No, it's a Canadian thing. I know I, sometimes I do do that, <laughs> but in this one case, this is a real thing. They're, the grapes come from Niagara. I think it's only white wine, though. It's called ice wine? It's a type of wine. Yeah, there's different like strains or whatever the fuck you call them. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's like the Indica ice wine. I'm going to send you some stuff. I'm going to Niagara next week. I'll, I'll send you some labels. But uh, it's just like a whole, you know, vein of stuff, like ice wine. I'm going to find some ice wines for you. But Niagara ice wines, the best, the best in Canada. Oh, it's a dessert wine. Well. And, and it's from grapes that have been frozen while still on the vent. Yeah, a, that's as a result of being in Canada, yeah. This is a sweet wine. I don't believe in this shit. <laughs> <laughs> your own are there other nba players who have made their own wines I, it has to be i i, I don't know if time ahead is that that's like I, I bet you if you google I, it's got to be off top but that i i think yeah that's like it doesn't register anymore i feel like a ton of them have done the wine i mean lebron i'm assuming right lebron uh yeah lebron just like dropped wine in like every post-game interview for like a season there he's like wait, oh really? i can't wait to get home can't wait to get home and like relax with a, a, a cup of wine whatever you call it <laughs> I will say, Harden, I don't know, like... A, a mug, a mug of face. wine. Thank you, thank you, a mug. Harden's face, like, it is, it is like, when you... Something about it, like, it works to go on a label, right? It's like he's got that... Uh, I guess the beard is reminiscent yeah. of, like, an Italian vinter. <laughs> Very Dionysian. Yes, there we go, yes. It's like a... He has the beard of an ancient Greek. <laughs> <laughs> That video from China, he looks bad, bro, because he's wearing all white too. You mean the one where he's like? I'm not gonna say he looks bad, but he looks like he's been eating good. Yeah, and which like you know you've been in the league this long, like you're several hundreds of million in at this point. Like enjoy yourself. Did you guys see the video of him stealing four hamburgers from Bun B? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, yeah. What? He's preparing for the moment. He's ready. He's preparing for yeah. uh, trade. You trade were, the you were still season. playing for Houston. No, no, no. He, this is like the night of Joel Embiid's wedding. He and PJ Tucker are at a the club. Bun B, for some reason, is there. He has like a burger restaurant, I guess, called Trill Burgers. Mm-hmm. And he's got one of those like uh, ballpark uh, box with suspenders on it like going around with his hamburgers in it. And when he's not looking, James Harden reaches over and steals four hamburgers from Bun B, the lone surviving member of UGK. It's disgusting behavior. (laughs) So I have some fucking class, man. If Pimp C were alive, he would have not fucking allowed that to happen. He would have physically fought. Pimp C would have slapped his hands. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then made him eat every single burger right there in front of him. Yes. There's a thing called uh, etiquette. There's a thing called etiquette. Where's James Harden from again? LA, I think. 
Yeah, they got some uncouth behavior out there in LA. <laughs> <laughs> As the resident uh, NBA writer here, um, we would like you, your own, to very quickly give a positive and negative case for each of our respective teams. Let's start with Trey, who is a fan of the Washington Wizards. Uh, you don't have to do this because we already know what the – there are no pros. It's just strictly cons. The, the so I was not to wing it all. Listen, I guess the pro is that you have. Uh, it seems like they're they're gonna do the they're gonna tank, right? Which is actually a good thing, as yeah. opposed to the uh, this random out of the mediocrity that they've been seemingly content and thrilled with uh, in recent years. So that, that's the good news, right? That they clearly brought in somebody, uh, new GM, who clearly in the interview said, "I'm only taking a job if you let me tear the thing down," right? So that's uh, that's progress. So I think you're actually in a good position there. Of course, the negative is that your owner is uh, Tevi Onsis, and you never know with that. So that would be the con. Didn't like the Qatari royal family buy a stake ah, in the Wizards? An- another, yes, yes. yes I another. didn't want to talk about that part. That's why I was telling him to skip it. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. Correct. Yeah, it's a Qatari oh, well, sovereign wealth fund bought roughly 5% stake in the parent. Okay, there you go. The Wizards, the Capitals, and the Mystics. Oh, that's not that much. That's fine. Will Smith probably owned more of the Sixers at some point, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which means it's owned by Scientology, allegedly. Jordan Poole, uh, what's his shooting? Let's get a points per game and shooting percentage. Mm. Ooh, I could see like uh, yeah, 29 points per game. Let's say that, but like. You know, 42% from the field, right? That skill, those both feel right to me. I would like to believe that Jordan Poole is going to like ball so hard. Like he's got the basketball freedom that James Harden craves. And he is going to ball so hard that he's going to like uh, drive the Wizards back to like the mediocrity that they're trying to. (laughs) That's actually pretty funny. That'd be pretty good. Uh, Yeah, certainly possible. That's uh yeah, and watching Jordan Poole this year is gonna be pretty. Uh, I think we'll see like you know if you're somebody who follows the NBA via social media, I think Jordan Poole is gonna be a a starring character of that uh that show. You think Kyle Kuzma ends the season on that team? Kuzma, that's another one, right? Him? Uh no, I would bet not. Right? I would bet not. I don't know, but I would bet not just because you know he's signed, which means makes you valuable, and he's pretty good, and they seem to be tearing things down. So I would assume somebody offers them something for him. Trey, you're not a fan of Kyle Kuzma? It was just a trade that, like, I got why it happened, but it still didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Which one? The West, the Westbrook one? No, the Kuzma one. I mean, the Westbrook one, yeah, too, but, like, it's... They were trying to do a lot of, like, appeasing the fan base and the way the fan base was like, this is not what we're asking for, man. This is not... You know, when we were complaining... This was not the resolution to our complaints. That's funny. Yeah, that's always funny. Yeah. Happens, right? We're looking for the fans, and the fans are like, we didn't want this. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's like, thanks, but... It's like your parents more. getting you a bike when you ask for a PlayStation. Yeah, you ask for like an N64, and they get you like an N38, and it's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Slava, do you, want, do you want to go, or should I go? Well, you don't even have to really do mine because I know what's happening with the Raptors this season. 
Fuck another championship, baby. Come on, let's go. <laughs> I got to say, the rap. So you're a Raptors fan. Are you not? How do you feel about Masai? I'll ask you, Nolan. How do, as a Raptors fan, do you feel about uh, Masai Ujiri these days? I mean, you just have to trust him. There's really no other option. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, when everybody zigs, he's eggs. Okay, everybody's developing players. No, he goes and gets a TikTok star. Okay, everybody's recruiting. Wait, yeah, Grady Dick. He's pretty much just oh, like a yeah. TikTok guy. Uh, everybody else is like uh, getting all these elite coaches and building culture. No, fuck that. We're getting a Serbian guy, and he's the coach now. But um, yeah, <laughs> what do you think about the Raptors' chances this season? No, I just uh, yeah, I'm, I'm confused by. Uh, it's almost like Masai Ujiri. They don't understand how like contracts, like expiring contracts, work. Like they're just like cool, letting these guys go. Like the Van Vliet thing was Lowry was the first one, and then. Van Vliet and it's just a lot of uh like yeah it's it's confusing it's like I've been talking to some people around the NBA it's like are we sure what are we sure he's Masayo Jiri is still good like what is he well you've heard of player coaches before this is a a player's GM right where the, the, the thing that he wants is for the players to make as much money as possible regardless of how it impacts the team or not <laughs> I like it. because we're not going to pay so, fred van vliet what houston paid him but like good for him for going to get that and um i guess the idea with kyle lowry is that he just signs a one-day contract with the raptors at the end there so he could retire a raptor but uh yeah it's just yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of talent out the door for uh for nothing right that's the Strange part. Um, yeah, because we're not going to pay them. And uh, I guess that no teams want to trade with us because why would you trade with us when you know that we're just going to let them walk? <laughs> yeah, um, um, so you're saying yeah. that the Sixers should not try to trick the Raptors into giving them Siakam for Tobias Harris, but instead yeah. just wait for Siakam to leave in like a year. Right. I mean, that's what, right. He's another one, right? We'll he see what happens. I like guess a whole year, right? He's, we'll the, he's the only player that actually like loves Toronto. He didn't even want to go to Atlanta for those rumored trades earlier this off season. So it must have to make a case. So yeah, that's okay. So I guess, you know, all the young players, Scotty Barnes makes a leap and Siakam makes a leap and OG makes a leap. And, uh, the coach Darko, I've got his last name who I know he loves. Um, Yes, he uh, he he turns out he's uh, Greg Popovich 2.0, right? Even though, I mean, I don't know anything about him either way. Um, yeah, Wait, is the coach the, uh, also a former spy? <laughs> Maybe he's you know, from right? Memphis. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, the Raptors are a confusing team. How's that? That's uh, top I, three I'm, in the East, baby. I'm top three in the East. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna go fucking Cleveland, New York, Toronto. Those are top three in the East. Book it. Slava prediction. It. <laughs> Is that what the P in Slava P stands for? This week, the P stands for prediction. All right. What about the Sixers? Uh, how fucked are they? Yeah. I mean, I don't. It's. Uh, it's a, I genuinely, I don't know. I have, I have so much trouble seeing how this plays out, right? Because it's like, you know, it's a cliche movable force object. Um, like, Daryl Morey's not going to trade him for nothing. He's just not. He's just not. It's not because he's anti-trading James Harden. It's because he's not going to, like, he wants to win a championship, and they have Joel Embiid, and he knows if he makes a shit trade, Joel Embiid's going to be gone. He doesn't want to be that guy. Like, so he's not going to trade him for Norman Powell and, like, a ninth-round pick to the Clippers, right? Just because James Harden <laughs> wants that. Um, championship so, player, Norman Powell. Right. Right. Okay, you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
and James Harden, but I, I think he also has underestimated uh, how irrational James Harden uh, can be in terms of his behavior, right, and what he's willing to do. And like, I don't know. It's so James Harden. James Harden can't no show because then I mean, there's we all these rules coming out. Like, if he no shows, he can't be a free agent next year, right? He has to show up. But he um, can be in China. Well, can you do that? But it, like, this, he can show up. Like, there's no clause in the collective bargaining agreement against like being an asshole or like that you have to work as hard as you want right there's no clause about that so he can show up and it's going to be uncomfortable and awkward as hell and i just i don't know what where the break is here i don't and this is to go back i just think i'm baffled by the way harden's attacked all of this because if you really want it out like this is not how to do it you can you can't if you want to be traded you can't announce the one team you want to go to right you have to like let the team create a market you can't be like i want to be traded and only to this team who, by the way, has no cap space and can't trade for me. Um, That's right. Like, that was never done that way, right? That's unconventional. Who would ever do things that way? <laughs> right, exactly. <You're> right. <laughs> James You're Harden, right. the man who invented traveling legally, he's going to be the one <laughs> that figures out how to leverage this to his advantage. It's just, it's, it's just yeah, it's baffling. And like, I mean, it's never, like the whole thing is just weird. It's, if you want to be a Clipper, he also he could have just not opted in. He could have signed for to sign with them and taking less money so god bless wanting to get all your money like i have no issue with that obviously but then to complain about you know i i took all my money and now the team who i take this money from or i'm getting paid doesn't want to trade me the place i want it's 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 kind of ridiculous so i don't know how this plays out i'm genuinely curious and uh i don't know dubious i again i'm repeating i think the whole thing like i do feel like this kind of this kind of feels like the beginning of the end here who do you think that like realistically the Sixers could get for Harden, and why is it Tyler Hero? <laughs> that, by the way, can you talk? Can you imagine James Harden and Heat culture? Like, I know they like stars, no. and I know they, <laughs> they've been a little more flexible with like Kyle Lowry and stuff. But like, I don't know. James Harden is like he's he wants to be in that Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra is not going to like be like, oh, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, go dribble the ball a thousand times. <laughs> go, go, yeah, cool. We're all like, you know, we're flying home, but you want to fly to Vegas tonight? That's fine. Like, that's not going to happen. Um. So, yeah, I, you asked like what teams. I, that, this is the thing. I don't. I don't think there's a market for him, and I don't think mm. that's the part that he's underestimated. No, no rebuild like so the Wizards or teams like that. No rebuilding team wants him because they don't want him around the young guys. They don't want to. And they don't want to deal with that. Um, contenders probably can't trade for him, and if they can, like he's such a uh, his skill set. He's is so dominant in terms of how he plays. Like you can't just drop him into any team. It's such a ticking time bomb also by the way like with you know if you if you're not the clippers and he only has one more year on his deal then you're going to be like why do i want to trade for this guy he's going to do all this nonsense again next year or even for us maybe he won't even report to us right or he's going to act this way so the market like i, I genuinely don't know or see what team there is there i don't know like a bulls maybe i'm making this up but like i don't would they trade DeRozan for him i don't think so there's um, always a bad gm that orlando <laughs> gm does not know what he's doing <laughs> but uh, you could argue that, but they're not, they're not trading. They have a bunch of young guys. Like they don't want James Harden around their young guys. Right. Like I'm, you can open up, like I'm trying to look at teams now, you know, Boston, <laughs> Cleveland, the Knicks, I guess, are. you can always kind of go back. Actually, to them, yeah. But I like that. Awful, we should do that. They should do that. But that's an off. That's an awful fit for next to Jalen Brunson. Um, and I think they'd rather hold for Embiid. Um, but I guess that's one like Atlanta. I don't know. Like what are the teams? There's no, nobody wants them. Detroit. I don't know. 
Like, why do you think that Embiid is going to leave if Harden leaves? Embiid played there before Harden. Embiid would probably like being a bigger focus on the floor. No, it's not that if like if Harden leaves, it's that if you're turning James Harden into non-star players, which it looks like is the only way it's going to happen. I, I think we'll get to a point soon where he looks around and says like, "This isn't it, right? This isn't this isn't happening for me. Like, I, I, this is not a team that can." get me to the championship what I can win a title with. And I think that's the, that's probably, that's the concern. And that's probably Philly's biggest concern here also. Do you think there's some players in the NBA that don't care about winning a championship? It's like, a great question. I think so. That's what I'm, we talked about Jeff Teague earlier, right? He's, I, I think he said something along those lines, not exactly like that, but in one of his podcasts recently, like, honestly, I, I forget what exactly, but um, yeah, I think, or not like they don't care. Like obviously the, they all want to win, but that that's not their primary goal. Yeah, I think a ton. Which, like, I have no issue with, right? You like, know, I can almost try to get paid. I can almost guarantee that James Johnson had no interest in winning a ring, but he was like really interested in getting paid as much money as he possibly could at every turn in his career. And maybe Harden is the same. Yeah, I will say I do think Harden. Like in my interview with him, that was one of the things he talked about. Him like needs a championship. I think for him, he looks at it more as like a legacy play, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think he's aware of where he where he is historically in the NBA in NBA history in terms of like talk about the game and best players and how big of a hole the lack of a title is for him, right? I think so. It's almost like you know he wants to win a championship, almost like for selfish reasons, you know, which is funny. Um, uh, so I think he's highly aware of that. But yeah, I, I think he's very aware of that. I think that's probably what's driving it a little bit. But there's also like he's not just he's. Uh, I, I don't know if he's ever going to be the guy. Like, yeah, I'll be the sixth man on this team um, right. to chase a ring. Though the Clippers' choice is an interesting one because, like, he'd be clearly a third banana there, which I would think is one something that he's not down for. So, if that ever does, if he ever does get there, it'd be pretty interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think the Clippers, especially like Russell Westbrook, clearly is ring chasing. Like, you could see it from the deal that he just took from the Clippers. He probably could have got more yeah. money to go play somewhere else, but he's clearly mm-hmm. interested in getting a championship. And I don't think. Well, I don't know. James Harden, I think, is closer to China than he is a championship. Yeah, he kind of feels like on the Allen Iverson path, right? Where, like, within, if you're really good at very quickly, it's like, oh, wait, nobody wants you. And exactly, you're playing overseas or you're out. So he's going to go to the Lakers, is what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, man. Uh, LeBron James is just going to, like, give him, like, a really angry look uh, if he tries to pull any bullshit. And. Yeah, he's just going to be on the Lakers. I mean, again, I mean, the Kawhi, Kawhi and James Harden would be a fascinating pairing in terms of like how Kawhi. I don't think Kawhi's taking shit from other guys or like or mm. giving in and be like, "Oh, here, James, yes, I will. Here's the ball, and, and I'll roll it out so you can dribble the ball, dribble it forty times at the top of the key." Well, you know, I do nothing. Um, yeah, <laughs> Kawhi definitely does his own thing. So that that would be that that would be fascinating for sure. Um, so what is the affirmative case for the Sixers? Let's just say they unload him for expirings and picks and they turn that into like, like the slightly above average NBA starter. Yeah. The affirmative is that they, you know, you get some, you know, uh, you know, the the pieces fit better around the group, right? Like some guys, some athletes, maybe some shooters, whatever it is. Uh, Maxi makes another leap. And that, and the interesting part, I think this part is not talked about enough. Like they have a new coach who most people think is a pretty good coach, an interesting coach, who's creative. <laughs> I know. Um, um, no, I mean, 
Doc Rivers, right? So, like, I do think there's a case. I, I do think it's being slept on a little bit, like, the impact of uh, – if if Nick Nurse is the coach that a lot of people think he is, and I, I wanna, we'll see. It'll be interesting, right? If there's some um, creativity uh, there or things that he can unlock in playoff series. Like, I think there's a, there, I think there's a boost there that is being a little under-discussed, or a possible boost there, I should say, that's being a little under-discussed. So that would be the bullish case. I think Nick Nurse is definitely a creative coach. I just feel like when it comes to the commanding egos, uh, he's probably not the best bet. And I'm really interested to see how that plays out with Joel, let alone James, sure. if he if he ends up being there. For sure. He's got as big as ego. Which I guess Doc Rivers was the same, right? So that's, no, that's not new. But Doc Rivers Nick has bona fides, yeah. Nick Nurse barely won a championship. <laughs> like that was not that was like more the Kawhi Leonard Marcus All championship than anything else, you know. I love it. I love it. Um, but good luck. He's nervous because like he's not used to being grilled by the media, and you guys have a really, you guys go hard. No, dude, his name is not Nick Nervous. It's Nick Nurse. He's not afraid <laughs> of anything. He played professionally as a player coach in England. Yeah, I don't know, man. I really feel like Nick Nurse is not going to be a good player, a good coach. Like he's not, he doesn't have a cutout for him. He he was like a G League guy that he was like best known for getting a custom hat from Nike. Have you seen a stupid fucking no, hat? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that looks yeah. terrible. <laughs> and then like because it's Toronto, you're not allowed to say anything mean about someone who's trying their best. Um, because it's like that's just like a Canadian thing. And then when he won. People were like overdoing it with how much love they were showing him. The Arkells brought him out to like play bass <laughs> at their concert. He was just like a mascot. Yeah. And he knew, but he knew, he, uh, he, he's no idiot. Like he knew he was playing it. Like, he knows uh, to the ego, right? He's building brand building and all that stuff. Like he knows what he's doing, right? Like, he, yeah. He was the only coach to ever be in a commercial. Like he was in that like Google Pixel commercial because we don't really have a lot yeah. of like, um, sponsorship opportunities in canada like there's not a lot of canadian companies like you're probably just better off doing business with an american company right we don't have like a like i'll watch Mm -hmm. a san antonio game and they'll be like sponsored by like uh drew's blind company or like you know someone's legal firm yeah we don't really have the money to do that type of stuff so it'll be like google and jiff peanut butter are the only things that actually (laughs) pay money and i think nick was in both of those Okay, so you are a long-time, like, uh, shoe leather reporter. You're like the fucking Carl Bernstein of the NBA. <laughs> sure. And what do you see the market for sort of traditional reporting uh, evolving into as you have more and more, uh, like, players whether it's like jj reddick or paul george or uh new sixer pat bev um getting into like podcasts youtube basically like media mogul world like how do you see that good question um so okay so i think it it both worries me a little bit i also do feel like it shows all this stuff all actually does a good job of highlighting the value of what I and other people like me do. Mm-hmm. The question is, are, is, and I'll get to that in a second, but the question is, are like the people who, you know, have the money and decide to make these bigger decisions above us, whether they recognize that or viewers or readers recognize that. Right. So like all these podcasts, all the, I, I mentioned like the, right, all these Netflix documentaries, like the Johnny, I haven't watched it yet, but I've seen some, so you'll talk about the Manziel documentary, how it's just like, 
it's very obvious the difference um, to me. And I think readers and viewers see a difference, how much they care is different, but it's very obvious when something's like packaged and when a guy has person to say in it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's like, there's a, there's a nice benefit. Like some of these Paul George podcasts you hear and like you're getting a realness in a different way, right? You're seeing a comfort level and you're getting to see some stuff from the other guy, from the guest, a side of them that you don't otherwise see. Mm-hmm. But then like sometimes they're not, but it's also like, they're not, they're not being, they're not talking to reporters, right? And you, topics are skipped or answers are allowed to hang out there. And I don't know, like maybe it's just me because it's how I think about things. But like I notice the difference. I hear the difference. And what I've been like now, it's funny when I pitch stories to people, I really like as I'm trying to do preseason profiles and stuff and, you know, pitching, which again, it's not like, I don't necessarily love that we have to like pitch ideas and like why it's good for them to talk to us but so it goes and i use actually the james harden interview like I, as an example right i'm writing like i think I, if i do it i'm gonna ask them the questions that people actually want to have asked and mm-hmm. give them an opportunity to answer it and some guys don't want that but i do think some guys actually want the ability like like we they all know what's being said about them right they're all very they're all on their phones all day they're all aware of public narratives and i think most human beings like they have the urge to correct a narrative whatever it is or offer their side of things and i kind of that's kind of like where i think i people like me can come in and do that stuff right and say hey i'm gonna ask you these questions and i'm, and I'm gonna ask you follow-ups i'm not gonna be a dick about it but i'm gonna just gonna ask you straight up i'm gonna ask james harden why'd you only shoot two times in that game right in game six yeah. against me, right and like that's not even a, like it's not a jerker question it's something that people say so don't you want to answer that and some guys don't and god bless so I think there's value to it, but it does worry me that like, you know, it, it, there's a, there's a fear about being replaced. Right. And I think it's, it's, it's the idea of, I, I like to assume and maybe assuming that people are smart is a uh, bad, you know, a losing bet, right. That the public is smart. But like, I, I, I like to think that there's um, that the public can see the difference between this stuff. You know, I, I come from a background of covering hip hop and so does Slava and so does Trey and there have been so many podcasts and shit like started in the past like half decade or decade or so like joe budden million dollars worth of game uh math hoffa um cameron has like a sports show that's almost i mean that's the other part of the hilarious thing about all this like there's the the media there's the uh the athletes taking over and then there's the people around to Everyone wants to be Woj or Shams, right? I wrote a story about Robert Randolph, um, who's a, a Grammy-nominated uh, blues guitarist. Who? Oh uh, my God! Who is who is always tweeting Knicks news? He always, according to sources, and he's always wrong. Um, <laughs> but he keeps going. Like sources say this and that, and he's and he's friends with James Dolan, so you can't ignore everything he says. Um, but he like wants to be like an NBA insider. It's the funniest thing. I had well, no idea. Well, the, the weird thing is, is like, it doesn't matter how big these guys get as media personalities. Do you think that like Brian Colangelo's wife will ever DM them and be like, hey, look at this weird tweet that's being sent by this exactly. account. And they can like dedicate the resources to not only follow up that story, but that people will even take it seriously if it's coming up on Gilbert Arenas' show instead of The Ringer but, or The Washington Post. Oh, I know you're, you're, you're half kidding, right? Like, I, like, it's exactly it though, right? Like that's no, I agree. Like, so yeah, in terms of like for me, so yeah, maybe there are less, fewer, good example, right? Like Ben Simmons, when he, was it before last, before last year, he comes back, he does a big sit down with JJ Redick. That was sort of mm. the only media he, media he does, right? Where five years ago, that's an probably an SI profile or even like a GQ one or whatever, right? Probably like five SI years ago, right? that's a Euron Weissman profile. 
fine, exactly. Okay. So, and that, so th- like the days of that, that might be gone, right? For the mm-hmm. most part, like a list star sits down with you for uh, not puffy profile, just like a real story, right? Like around a big event, that might be mostly gone. But like you said, the, um, like, that's that's just a small lane, right? There's lots of other ways and mm-hmm. lots of other reporting things to do in terms of how you cover sports. Um, like if you get like if you get the you know a DM for Brian Colangelo's wife um, or whatever it would be, right? So there's other ways around it, and that like athletes, uh, I don't say can't, but I'd be I'd be very surprised if they uh, if they um, you know take that or change that. Who do you think John Morant goes to for his first sit-down interview when everything is said and done? Do you think he goes to Malika Andrews or Gilbert Arenas? Well, that's a good well, he already did the Jalen Rose one, right? That didn't work. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that yeah. one so, uh, that looked like he they both looked like they were fucking <laughs> hostages. Um I don't want to say Taylor Rooks is probably the obvious answer. I think they're right. friends anyway. Um, um Right, okay, so right, or that's I mean yeah, that's almost the equivalent of it. She's not an athlete, but she's she's celebrity now anyway, right? Like it's a different kind of thing. Like that's she can get these sit downs, um, it's, and it's it, she's in the circles with these people. Um, so I guess that, um, yeah, like John Moran will do. Like John Moran's a great example, right? Like I don't think we're gonna see a big in depth uh, John Moran profile. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'd be surprised if we see a big in depth John Moran. Uh, I'll say magazine story in quotes, mm-hmm. you know, but online magazine type story I, before the year where like. Five years ago, we probably do get that when he returns, right? Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that's going to happen. But what you could get is you can get like a behind the scenes of how the Grizzlies are handling it and what teammates feel. I don't know, whatever. There's lots of like lots of other ways to approach that story in an interesting and enlightening way um, that like you know Paul George is not going to do. I don't want you to to necessarily blow up anybody's spot, but if you are willing to blow up some people's spots. Uh, I have a few questions. Who in the NBA, like players, are either funnier or weirder or gossipier than people might uh, expect? And if you uh, want to answer that, that's fine. No, I'm thinking. See, I'm the, I'm not a beat writer, so I don't have those that relationships with guys where I'm seeing them every day. Like I don't have. Mm much of that like i kind of drop in and i'll reach out to guys but like mm-hmm. i've this is like the third time mentioning jeff teague it's funny because i don't think anyone knew this side of him i never heard of jeff teague being like this amazing quote and storyteller when he was playing all of a sudden he gets on a podcast and he's which podcast like, is that most ama- he's i forget what it's called i don't know but his <laughs> yeah. own, i don't know but he's like giving i don't know what they're called but he's giving his most amazing nba stories and insight right from like a non-star player um so yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm like out of practice in terms of like whom around. Um, I mean, yeah, it's hard to answer. I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that. Not cop. I don't have a good answer. It is pretty kind of interesting how some NBA players have that in mind when they start their career. Like CJ McCollum is one who comes to mind for me, who where he was like a broadcasting guy when he was like in his yeah. prime. You know, he was like yeah, like he was. Yeah. Yeah, so there has to be like broadcasting majors uh, who also are playing the NBA. Van Vliet's a great, uh, Van Vliet's a, a great, uh, I'll say great quote. I don't like the phrase. He's really interesting to talk to, and he's open to having conversations. Like I've interviewed him a couple times, and Raptors writers will say the same thing. So that's a good one. As I'm looking at lists of players here, um, um, 
Is there anyone you can recall, and let's say retired players, where you were talking to them and you were like, oh my God, this is like pulling teeth? Ah, yeah, that's definitely happened. I'm trying to think of who. Uh, One of the best ones is, uh, it's a random guy, but uh, Jabari Parker, I did like when he was in one of his uh, comebacks and I was trying to do a story on him and like the interview was just, he gave me nothing. It was just like, (laughs) man, a lobby of his hotel, they're in there, it was just awful and do you think that's just because he's like too pr'd out or he just like he, he's just not a guy he had no interest to talk to you but like it was like but like it wasn't forced like he could just not done the interview right like we had set it up it wasn't like i did it like at a get at a gym or whatever and pulled him aside right. um uh no interest but i'm thinking now i'm thinking of like pj tucker is great there's a great to speak with not surprisingly that makes sense. um it's like funny um Julius Randall has no interest in talking to any reporters, right? It was as, again, to go back to go back to the to the player podcast. Like, what's interesting? He, I was listening to the Randall. He was on Paul George's recently, and it's a side of him I'd never heard. Right? He was like, mm. first of all, he wasn't mumbling. He always mumbled. Like, it's Nick Swears will tell you. Like, the recorder has to be. It's basically not like in his nose. They can't pick up the audio. <laughs> um, and there he wasn't that. So it's clear that he like that's a that's a uh, purposeful decision, right? For whatever mm. reason. Um, he was kind of likable on the podcast with Paul George in a way that I, I haven't seen him in Nick's stuff or heard him uh, when I've been around there. Kawhi? Yeah, I, had, I actually did a I did an interview with Kawhi years ago for Slam Magazine. He was on the after his Finals MVP or something. I don't remember, like way before, um, which 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 was funny because yeah, like I should have been I should have rode that train, right? Um, <laughs> I, but I, I haven't spoken to him like since uh, since then. I never really spoken to him. When he was in Toronto, um, Durant is also really, uh, in terms of a guy who's good and fun to be around. Like in the locker room, he'll talk basketball and just like random stuff there. Are there any bad coaches to interview for that reason? Because they all seem pretty like verbose to me. Yeah, some. I mean, Tibbs, Thibodeau gives nothing. He gives absolutely nothing. Really? He went to Harvard. So did Ron DeSantis. <laughs> his, answers, <laughs> his, answers are, uh, his answers are just like, you know, it's cliched and just not the not um, uh, not not de- not in depth or anything, not detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, Doc Rivers was funny because he was when the national media was there, he was really good. When it's just local writers, he's not. It's like a national game or a playoff game. He's like amazing. And if it's just like a <laughs> random Tuesday night against the Hornets, he's getting nothing. Steve Nash gave nothing, absolutely nothing. Really, he was like, which is a little surprising, but yeah, he was. Uh, not helpful. Wait, I, I have a joke I got to make. Was he trying to give his answers in seven seconds or less? Yes. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask right. if you if you think that like uh, will Paul George be able to interview Popovich and uh, talk to him on a relationship as equals and not like player coach? You know, like I mean, could oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it's, I mean, JJ Redick's been good at that, but he's also kind of transitioned out of it, right? Um, like he'll, he's basically in, like he's in that. Like, I probably, you know, he's I'm not, he's almost in management, even if he's not. But right, he's kind of like mm-hmm. relates to those guys more in a different way. As a as a Duke graduate, he is management in like right. Yeah, right. That's a good question. It's definitely different. I think it will eliminate some of the strengths, right? I think the play, like you know, with all these Paul George again, like it, player to player is where it works, where it's interesting. Though I did right. see. Um, I didn't agree with everything, but he had Stephen A. Smith on recently, and like it was interesting hearing Stephen A. sort of educate Paul George about the media and everything Stephen A. said. I don't think he was fully right with everything he was saying, both um, 
factually and also from his perspective and the perspective he was offering. But what's interesting, it did seem clear that like he was telling things to Paul George about like what reporters would actually like and how the media is actually like in a way that Paul George had never thought of mm-hmm. or heard before, which I found sort of interesting and maybe almost alarming, right? <laughs> so, Wait, these are real people? <laughs> right, yeah, it was... Uh, which again, it goes back to like you know, if, if, you know, the PR people around you are good, they'll kind of explain that to you. Um, but if they're not, then it's fine. Then that's what you get. Do you think? Do you think Gen Z will make their own version of Stephen A. Smith or Bill Simmons or any of the guys that you know were superstars they, on that end of things? I feel like they exist. I just don't know about them, right? Like I don't know. It's probably oh, they're definitely TikTok, on TikTok. Like, yeah, yeah. Who well, I, I just don't even know about. Like it will be interesting to see, right? So as I mean, it's a it's a greater. This is a more of a larger media discussion, right? Like, mm-hmm. at what point does the stuff that gets these monster numbers in Gen Z, how does it end up merging with like you know culture, the overall culture in general, right? And are there the, are there younger players on TikTok? Like, is Wimby fucking talking? Grady Dick. I'm, baby. I'm sure they're on. T- I think they're on TikTok. Are they doing anything interesting on there? I doubt it, right? But like, mm-hmm. maybe they are. I have no idea. It's a great question, right? I'm probably like doing a poor job. Like, I should probably be putting every downloading TikTok and adding every player to see what's on there, right? <laughs> and I'm not doing that. It is the crazy thing, right? I mean, that's again, it's a greater media discussion, right? In terms of like how this all plays. And well, the last stars that really came out were those hoops highlights guys, right? Or House of Highlights. That was like the last yeah. story. Uh, Barstool, I guess yeah. you would say maybe, but they're older. Yeah, right. That those. Yeah, but. Barstool's older, right? Bar, yeah, but he kind of Portnoy sort of seems like not just for the Boston reasons, but like you know that seems more Bill Simmons-ish, right? Like right. it just exactly it seems yeah. like the same and uh, from the same cut from the same cloth, and and I'm saying it's a joking way, just in terms of like the type of personality, media brand, and all that. Like that's that's not a new story. Maybe that's how I phrase that, right? Like mm-hmm, Portnoy is mm-hmm. not a new story. It's another example of kind of the Simmons type thing. Um, yeah, again, I'm sure like or is there like a YouTuber? Like who's doing a million hits about the NBA that I don't know about it, right? Like maybe I'm sure there is, um, but yeah, has that transition? It's a great question. How do you feel about the recent trend of like the fake Twitter accounts, like butt crack sports and stuff that are just like <laughs> the onion, oh but for God. sports? They're not even the onion for sports. They're like engagement like farming yeah. to get fucking like twenty bucks a month from Elon. One of them tricked me into thinking that the Sixers had <laughs> traded Maxi today because I'm an idiot. That's hilarious. The uh, the weird one was uh, the original, what was the original one? Ballsack, right? Which was yeah. really good, right? Ballsack Sports. Right. Um, but then he started, tw- he, I think it was a he. Wait, there's he butt crack sports of- and ballsack sports? Yeah, I think the ballsack was like the original one. But then okay. he started tweeting, he, he, he's got, does that even still exist? I don't know. He started tweeting a lot about like Kim Kardashian and like, you know, how attractive she was. I got weird. Um, I don't know what happened there. Um, I'm looking at the ball sex sports still exists. I'm pretty sure uh, they did birth the, the famous template, which is the best NBA joke in recent years. Get ready to learn Chinese, buddy. <laughs> and Maury, by the way, referenced that. I think in like one interview last year about Ben Simmons, he was like, don't get your news from a place called ball sex sports or whatever. Like, or you see like that. Like then you probably it's probably fake. I forget how he said it. It was funny. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> Slava, you can have a final indulgent question, and I'm gonna have a final indulgent question. Paul Reed, is he gonna be a starter for the Sixers? <laughs> and what year does Paul Reed become an All Star? <laughs> Paul Reed will not be a. Or you should hope Paul Reed's not a starter for the Sixers. How about that? Um, what? No, I love Paul Reed. I believe. 
Yeah, but you want him next to Joel Embiid. Like, that's not I, – I think if he's yeah, starting, dude, he I mean, can, He can shoot there. threes now. I've been okay, watching fine, videos fine. of him, like, playing okay, pickup so basketball. I, I take it back. I'm sorry. Uh, and what, you really be an all-star? Uh, okay, 2024. Okay, how about that? Well, good. What about, like, a real answer and not me, like, bullying you? So, uh, yeah, I don't think Paul Reed will be a starter. I will be uh, pretty stunned if Paul Reed makes an all-star team at some point in his career. That is not an insult. I think it's okay to not make an all-star team. You can still be a nice, productive player. Uh, my my question's simple. Who's the best player in the league? Ooh, uh, I gotta say Jokic to me. Just yeah, I mean, yeah, Jokic. So yeah, I I I wouldn't ignore or sleep on Giannis. Right, those to me are the two guys. Um, but I would say I would say Jokic. I think that is correct. Um, okay, this has been Nerzy. Um, on behalf of Trey and Slava and myself, I would like to say thank you, uh, to you, your own for coming on. If you are listening to this and you haven't subscribed to us on Substack, we are very disappointed in you. And also if you are listening to this and you have not bought your own Weissman's book, Tanking, tanking to, to the, the top, top. Uh, then we are even more disappointed in you because Substack, <laughs> you're like hypothetically required to give us money every month, except we haven't turned subscriptions on yet. But all you have to do is give him money once and it's done and it's worth it. You should read more <laughs> instead of listening to podcasts. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Disagree. Shopping mall, but we ain't browsing, popping hooded, Tresco towers, prowling, prowling, Gucci towers, and Bethel vows, Niles, Isles, Aston Martin, sparking, warning, valley, parking, long sharking, hoping that my days don't get dark and cheetah skin outside the park of propaganda, propellers, ostrich fellas, security guard with nine berettas, pulling up Volkswagen jettas, causing storm and sunny weather, sunny weather, it's sunny weather, hoping that my days get hoping, hoping days get days get better.